0: Show. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Think Peace podcast. This is your host, Jason, with my compatriots Dave and Brennan. What's up, gentlemen?
1: Hey, guys. How's it going? What up?
0: All right. We'll leave time for that to sink in to all four of our listeners and moving on. Uh, Tonight's episode is about conspiracy theories and uh, hoaxes and things that people believe and Sometimes we scratch our heads about why they believe them, and other times we're like, hey, that sounds kind of plausible. Maybe I should believe that too. So I think that a little context is necessary. Um, Within the last month or so, all of us listened through a podcast called Wind of Change, which to give you a brief synopsis is about whether or not the CIA wrote the Scorpion's Ballad Wind of Change. Uh, as part of Cold War propaganda. Yeah, give me that. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's that's music to my ears. Um, you, most of you will recognize that little whistling intro there from Wind of Change. Uh, if not, get on your whatever your streaming service is and uh, look it up. I'm sure you'll recognize the song if you were, grew up in the 80s like we did or lived through the 80s. Um, but yeah, the the premise was that the CIA wrote it Uh, with the help of a German band, the Scorpions, in order to affect change in uh, the Eastern Bloc and what is the former Soviet Union. Um, It all sort of coincided with the fall of the Berlin Wall and the the crumbling of the USSR. Uh, The book is sort of wedged right in the middle of all of that. So an interesting podcast, guys. Um, You know, there were some episodes I was really into not for the conspiracy part of it at all it, it just introduces you to some really interesting people and some funny ass stories like the plane ride um across the atlantic with uh you know a bunch of drunk uh drugged out rockers but it, in the end uh like a lot of these there was definitely not closure to it so what were you guys uh brennan start us off what was your like takeaway from it? what did you like or not like about the podcast and what did get you thinking about
2: yeah, man, well, um, it, it was definitely worth a listen. Some people uh, out there said that this was the best podcast that they had ever listened to, the most engrossing story ever, um, and, and I didn't find it to be either of those things exactly. Um, I thought that the, the first kind of half, I think it was about eight episodes long, I think that the first several kind of introduced kind of the structure of the CIA and the backstory of um, how... The, uh, the, the narrators and the guys in charge of the podcast were um, kind of came to be interested in the story. I felt like those were um, kind of partially interesting, but when they started to get into, like you said, Jason, some of the anecdotes about the um, the giant concert in, in Russia that they threw and the character of Doc McGee, some of, some of those characters and some of those um smaller stories I thought were really engrossing, um, but uh, yeah, Matt, I thought it was cool. Like I said, definitely worth a listen, um, and, and my takeaway from it was that, uh, like, it's crazy that these types of things, whether they're, they're true or not, were very much plausible within the realm of uh, possibility in the CIA, like, everybody they talked to in the CIA were, were either, like, can't confirm or deny that or i never heard of that specifically but oh yeah we do that sort of thing um like you'd write a song to affect change mm. in the eastern Bloc and try to end the cold war with a fucking pop metal song or something <laughs> uh like like oh wow i i didn't realize that like whether or not a, this particular story was true nobody really knows um but uh but crazy that you know we have people that are doing these types of things, uh, or, or did at least probably still do it, it is fascinating nonetheless.
0: Yeah. Um, absolutely. You think about something like cultural manipulation, um, uh, some sort of cultural manipulation or, um, cultural influence. Uh, and that, that was definitely documented. I mean, they, they had the two examples of Louis Armstrong and Nina Simone going into Africa. Right. Um, that were documented. I mean, those ops were on the books and it was unbeknownst to the artists that they were, well, at least to Nina Simone. Uh, I think Louis Armstrong knew, but uh, Nina Simone didn't know that, that they were going over there to basically promote democracy. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that the, the people in the CIA are like, this is, I don't know that this is true, but it's completely plausible. This is within our purview as the CIA mm-hmm. to influence the cultures uh, in the way of thinking of people. Um, Dave what was your takeaway man what, what were your takeaways
1: well I was excited because I loved that song growing up no. I, I have a distinct ah. memory of it was one of the songs that remember when you, you would I don't know if you guys did this but I would tape songs off the radio so you would literally just sit around and wait you just wait for your favorite song. gotta to know those first two notes this song was definitely on one of those tapes that I made I loved it and I also we've talked before about why we like different kinds of music and I've never really been a lyric person and this kind of reconfirms that because I've heard that song a thousand times, and until this podcast, I never really even like put together even what some of those like Russian references were, or you know what, what it was really about, other than just the you know obviously the chorus and stuff. So it reconfirmed my uh, long-standing uh, uh, enjoyment of music without actually absorbing oftentimes what the hell the song is even about, which is probably not totally unique, but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Yeah, I found the story, I found the podcast interesting, and I think some of the things you guys touched on about learning a little bit more about the CIA and the things that they got involved in, and really learning about some of the the things that were going on in Russia and and Germany in the the 80s was kind of more interesting than the overarching quest to find the answer. I mean, we all knew they weren't going to answer the question. Sure. We would have heard about it. and I think it, it sort of frustrated me early on, because I feel like he was being very specific with the question of, did the CIA write the song? And it was like, well, even in the examples he went through about Nina Simone and Louis Armstrong, it, artists weren't, I mean, there was some manipulation involved. The artists didn't even know what was going on. So, sure. But then he set it up as if the Scorpions would have been in on it and known that they didn't write the song. It's like, well, no, the truth, if there is some truth, to was probably somewhere in between. It, it, Somehow the song was written by somebody, either either intentionally or not, or they got wind of it, pardon the pun, and said, "Oh, this is interesting. We ought to encourage this and get these guys over there, and you know, find more subtle ways to to make this popular in the Eastern Bloc." And when he was like focusing on, did somebody in the CIA write this song? I was like, probably not. Like, I don't know. That's not right. Doubtful. Like, you're not going to find some guy was sitting in some Arlington, Virginia you know CIA office you know with a little like that's not what happened it's almost certainly and when he went down that rabbit hole I almost wanted to like turn it off like this is right He was almost too credulous about that right no that's I was yelling at the you know at my speakers like this is not what happened like (laughs)
0: yeah to me it was the doc the dr Javago example was much more plausible as in like the scorpions wrote the song and the cia basically promoted the song brilliant they're like
1: we want these guys we want this song to be everywhere um and and so
0: and and the doc mcgee thing just sort of a a bizarre coincidence but holy shit is that guy fucking interesting um
1: yeah that was a crazy oh my god like like yeah, the fact the drugs, that he was like how that guy never went to jail. Oh
0: my god, that's yeah. you know, uh, right. well, he must have yeah had dirt on somebody. Or right. I I just think about our current president and the uh, you know, <laughs> pardoning Roger Stone as we uh we um uh, uh, or commuting his sentence as we do this. Well, uh, and the, we,
1: we'll talk more about it. I think when we just get into conspiracy conspiracies in general. But it, there's this tendency instead of just using the simplest explanation for something, which is He got lucky or there was an oversight and didn't go to jail. And for whatever reason, he slipped through the cracks. We want to create some fantastical, crazy story to explain it. It's like, well, there there probably isn't one. He probably just got lucky or whatever, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, if there is any sort of conspiracy involved, that's one that's possible. Like, all right, dude, dude, to get out of this, you're the guy who's together um, a huge concert uh, set it up for you in Russia. You do this these bands trust you you're the only guy who can do this let's uh, let's look, make that happen yeah that, we'll look and we'll look the other way exactly like,
1: no yeah. i agree yeah, yeah I mean, right. to me that's not even a that's not even conspiracy that's just like transactional government stuff that happens every day i mean that's just you know being connected and you know you know you, if you know people and can can bring something to the table you'll get better treatment i mean that's just right, right. Works, you know
0: keep talking guys i'm i'm gonna hop right back on i'll probably edit this part out if we need to, but uh, I gotta go turn something on for Fox.
2: <laughs> Alright, no. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't think we should keep talking about, no, talking about let's change
1: wait. right now. We'll just
2: wait. You wanna know something uh fucking angering that happened to me today? Yes. i i taken my stupid fucking motorcycle into the shop to um, Get worked on, um, knowing that I was going to get stuck with a huge bill, uh, and it was a giant money pit, either way, yeah. but, I, like, I brought it in, like, probably close to two months ago now, um, that's how these things go, yeah. and, um, and like, finally it's it done, and you know, after a few different, you know, phone calls and shit, I got to pick it up today, like, it barely, I, I wrote it there, and it was, yeah. like, but I was like, well, maybe I should have been unreliable at that. Brought it in. I like go to like start it to ride it home. It like barely starts. Like I have the guys like check it out again. They're like they take like some part off and they're like, oh, it'll run with this thing off probably. Like it's shorting something out. Like you can do. It's this. like what did what did I just pay you? Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> and I just paid them hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Oh, that's um, ridiculous. And and, and and then I rode it home and it was I think it was only on one of the two cylinders and it was uh, like speed of like 35 miles an hour what and uh what literally worse than when i brought it in um and i was like i'm i can't turn around and take this home and not have a ride hmm. home and everything i just need to get home yeah. which luckily i got home barely Jesus. Uh, but it's literally worse than when i brought it in
1: so is it up, like a bike shop okay. like specifically they work on <laughs> motorcycles <laughs> or
2: yeah yeah Jesus and then like specialize in like vintage motorcycles and have done a gazillion of these but like I mean, how can I they their give their you a bike
1: that didn't work. like that that seems like they'd have enough pride to like make sure it like ran before they gave it back to you like I mean. right right
2: but <laughs> I, I was like i was like i got 10 minutes to spare still so, so i was meeting with my dude yeah. i gotta get home so uh but so now i got still you know, a halfway fucking broken down motorcycle in my driveway uh that, uh, two month, two months, two months, and hundreds uh, of dollars later. Yeah. Right, right, So we we uh, digressed there. Jason.
0: Oh, it's all good. It's all good. So the motorcycle pooped on you.
2: Well, I, brought, I just I picked it up from the mechanic today after it was there for two months, and I paid him a shitload of money, and then um, it was even worse than when I brought it in. When I broke my
0: Fuck him. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Fuck okay. <laughs> him. So back to uh, back to wind of change. My uh, my biggest yeah. ta- my, my biggest takeaway is sort of like very current. And the guy points it out a little bit when he's talking to that Russian journalist is how cynical we've become as citizens that we're a lot of times more willing and wanting to believe the more complex version as opposed to a simple version because it's the CIA or because it fits our, uh, preexisting notions, whatever those might be. But we are very willing a lot of times to take on, and, and that's not to say the cynicism is just caused by Trump or just cause, I mean, it's, it's decades of being lied to by a government or stories being inaccurate or incorrect or whatever. Now I think that all of this has multiplied, um, and you know, have you guys ever watched the show The Americans? Um, oh yeah. it, it was I an like FX that. show, a great show. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's it. it. So it's basically about uh, Russian spies in the United States in the 1980s, like during the Cold War. And uh, but a, a lot of it is against this idea of like how much we try to influence other countries and some of that influence can just be sowing seeds of doubt in people's minds about like whether or not their government is looking out for their best interest or whether or not they're lying or on the flip side, maybe their government is telling the truth, but the newspapers are all lying or things like that. So, um, you know, to me, that cynicism, that the idea that as a culture, we're kind of infatuated with conspiracy theories and the ones that, um, you know that's why the one that that I went with um, is something that has, for years, people thought and sort of poked around at, and then it finally the information got declassified, and it was like, holy shit, they really were doing that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think the cynicism grows out of uncovering things like that and and finding things out like that, um, which is why I gravitated to the podcast is because I knew there probably wasn't going to be closure. Um, but I, I think the idea that, uh, of finding out how the CIA works and what they're involved in, to me, that is the the more intriguing part of it. Meeting those characters too is obviously really good storytelling, but, um, I definitely enjoy the, the side of it that says like, our, our government is just as nefarious as the Russian government and is just as nefarious as the Chinese government is just as, I mean, like we are doing shit just like they are to try to get an upper hand in, world politics and world leverage and, uh, world economies. And, um, a lot of times that's on our own citizens, which has caused us to be cynical. Um, so yeah, that's where I sort of stood with it.
1: Yeah. I thought that, I mean, it was interesting to really think about, I don't know, I guess when you grow up, you think of, you, you really feel like or are told that America is exceptional and the things we do are justified because, We stand for something better than these other countries. Sure. I'm not saying I agree with, but that's, that's the party line. And everything we do is justified. And, oh, isn't that interesting how we manipulate other elections or the people in different countries? Because, hey, democracy and freedom, it's all worth it. But then when you really start thinking about, hey, they're doing the exact same thing to us. And in many cases, I think these days probably as well or or better than we do to them. I mean, all the the, the Facebook manipulation and, you know, other stuff online, it's... uh, turnabout is fair play. I mean, why wouldn't they do that to, to, again, to, to get whatever out of it they want to, which is to see the doubt into they're not really picking a side. They're just making sure that the polarization is magnified. And Absolutely. You can see that it works.
0: Well, and this is a topic for an entirely different podcast, but you know, Putin controls both sides of the media in, <laughs> in, in Russia, Um, if you really want an interesting podcast there, or it's not even a podcast, it's an NPR segment, uh, from like seven or eight years ago on, uh, God, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Um, basically this guy was a reality TV, um, producer. So he wrote storylines for reality TV, like (laughs) big brother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, well, he wrote the storylines for these things. And basically Putin was like, I need a narrative, for politics in Russia that is going to engage the Russian people the way that reality TV engages Russian people, and yeah. so they started putting out information for both sides and yeah. creating villains and demonizing this side and giving and taking and this side is winning. Oh no, now this side is winning. Oh, Putin's a bad guy. Oh no, he actually saved the day. So orchestrating, you know, that from from both ends, uh, and if why I despise politics so much, um, and wish things would just boil down to a more human element is that i I'm not under an assumption that our two party system does that any less than any any other country. I just feel like one side, the one side that I tend to align with, uh, thinks about people more than the other side. Um, but it's not to say that they're not both shady as hell. Well and, and that-
1: it's not dissimilar to the whole argument of it's okay when our country does it but sure. not when others do because sure. we stand for something better right i mean right absolutely if, if that's what you believe i mean who's the, but but you just have to understand that the other side feels the same way absolutely e- equally strongly and yeah i thought the other another interesting thing um i, I found the interviews fascinating especially when they finally talked to klaus Meiner. um and again i i you kind of knew it wasn't he wasn't going to get anything groundbreaking but it I you, I did find myself listening to those, thinking like, how would you know if somebody was lying? Like, what do you, you know, the same thing with mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the name, the producer, Doc like, McGee. How, you know what? What would they say if they were covering something up? So I don't know. It's kind of fun to listen to it with that that in mind too. As you
0: know, I loved the Doc McGee. Yeah, oh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Brennan.
2: Oh, uh, the, the the Doc McGee interview. Like, I you did. Obviously, you couldn't buy everything. He was no. He's a right? bullshit like, artist.
1: Clearly, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so you didn't buy that, but I, I found myself like somehow buying the Klaus Mina, who, for our listening audience here, is the lead singer of Scorpion's wrote *Wind of Change*. Supposedly, um, it, I, I found I found myself kind of buying his story. He seemed genuinely surprised that anyone would think that yeah. the CIA uh, wrote this, and that, and that he hadn't heard that theory before. Um, I, I, I thought that I would be able to, to see through his his ruse, but I, it was—he seemed very genuine about that. And yeah, uh, was and a, I, sub- I don't know if that's sympathetic sub- that character. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, Brennan, yeah, think
2: me being duped and him being a good. Mom.
0: Think about when the Raritans write the song that's going to change the world, and forty years from now somebody comes to you and says, I think that the CIA and black lives matter implanted that in your mind. And, uh, that's why you wrote the song. He was, he was super taken aback. And that was, uh, I mean, yeah. like it, the other thing is that he seemed like a sweet guy in the interview is, yeah. as, as weird as that yeah. sounds to say. Like yeah, he was just like, you're a fan, but you're obviously here for something else. Let's talk about this and let's mm-hmm. talk about this. And, you know, he didn't seem to be pulling punches or holding anything back. Um, I, I did. I was fu-
2: surprised that he, he hadn't, and if it's true that he hadn't heard of that theory before, um, that, that nobody else has brought this up. We
0: well, know the Russian journalist hadn't seems either.
1: Like it's, uh, it's, right. But it, is it because, you know, some of these artists live in such a bubble and also, you know, he, the guy wrote the song. Are you going to, you going to basically call bullshit on that to his face and say, I don't think he wrote the song, you know? And, you know, some people probably didn't have the the nerve to actually say that because you are, in some ways, you know, it's, you know diminishing. Yeah, you know, no, his, I mean, his biggest the biggest thing he's known like for. You're he, basically saying yeah. I don't believe you, or did you actually do it? I don't know. No, that,
2: that's true. I mean, I, I, did, I didn't get the um, the idea that the I forget the guy's name, but the the guy who made the podcast and Patrick Redden Keith did the whole thing. You got it, Patrick Rand and Keep. Uh, I, I mean, I know he was a little bit nervous about going in there, but I didn't think that he had these giant brass balls to do it, really. Didn't no,
1: like no.
2: That big of a deal. Um, but I guess maybe in, you know, 30 yeah, years but, that has gone by.
0: I mean, what's the guy going to do? Storm out? Maybe it, punch totally him? That is,
1: yeah. It's one of the skills journalists develop, too. It's like right, you, you do right. learn to just you – you just ask questions. I mean, and, you know, you, you take the heat or not. I mean, but –
2: it's a learned skill probably so it's just surprising that no, nobody had ever brought that up before it, yeah
1: no i agree yeah if, if indeed yeah he was telling the truth well,
0: I, and again i go back to that russian journalist who was a scorpions fan that she had never heard yeah. it heard it yeah. either she had never heard that that rumor and like dismissed it outright and she's like oh you americans and your conspiracy theories yeah, yeah, yeah. like You're just uh, As bad as we are yeah uh <laughs> but but no but i i mean i th- speaking to brennan's you know that might be something that you hear and never again, like think about if you're not in the United States and like a little bit consumed by the idea of conspiracy theory and be like, wait a minute, maybe our government wrote that. Um, so I don't know. Um, either way I, uh, I thought it was a good podcast. So that, that sort of spurned us to dig into some other things that we heard, you know, I mean the, the crazy shit we were talking about, flat earth earlier that that's a thing that people now believe that the earth is flat. Um, you could look at uh, Pizzagate. All right. The idea, uh, and these, um, oh, Oh, got QAnon people that believe that, um, there's some underground sex ring that, um, you know, Obviously, we've exposed the Jeffrey Epstein and all this, but uh, there's this underground sex ring that is is tied into the New World Order that somehow um, is controlling the world from the deep state, and uh, basically they're just trying to bang a bunch of little kids. Um, yeah.
2: And that Hillary Clinton runs it out of a New York pizza yeah. parlor?
0: Like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in all Virginia right. or yeah. D.C., but yeah, yeah. I, no, so no, 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 bizarre. no. So, yeah.
2: Um, George Soros is probably involved
0: Yeah, oh yeah Yeah. So so These conspiracy theories Are nothing new Although those are some of the more Popular new ones Um, I I guess masks give you um, Give you coronavirus Or it's a way for the government to track you That's a new one uh, In the parlance of our times Um, But there's some other ones that have been around
2: Bill Gates is going to shoot me up with a microchip
0: good it if it lets me live i don't give a fuck if it lets me go back to normal then microchip the shit out of me <laughs> um yeah
2: right it, it, you're walking around with a giant microchip in your pocket all yeah the time that's called your a cell phone, phone yeah and yeah. they track you everywhere so. right yeah.
0: and and we and we okayed that after 9-11 and when we said patriot act patriot act patriot act and yeah you can do getting, this
1: and by everybody yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, So we are, yeah, all of our uh, elected officials have have signed us up for that um, and and being allowed to do that. So let's get into the conspiratorial side of it and the ones that really make us uh, either scratch our head or laugh or say what the fuck. Um, Dave, start us off. Which one did you decide to jump into?
1: Yeah, so I've always been fascinated with this one, and it's really the disappearance of flight 370, Malaysia flight 370, and all of the sort of cons- multiple conspiracies that have sprung up because of the sort of vacuum that, that was left with the, the sort of mysterious disappearance. So just for a little background, I'm sure most people remember, but it was back in the spring of 2014. This flight took off from uh, Kuala Lumpur going to Beijing, it Was you know, 239 people and it was it taken off a little after midnight, it was supposed to land at 630 in the morning. But about 40 minutes in, it essentially lost contact with um, the radars and veered off course. Um, and in the days following, they basically had no reading of where it was beyond that. Um, so obviously, for, for me, I think there were a couple of things that were fascinating. Before we get into all the conspiracy theories, I, I think why it became such a... Um, interesting one beyond the just craziness of you know or putting yourself in the situation of being on a plane that like fucking never landed and disappeared which is pretty wild but i think it's for me it was like you know one how is it possible i didn't realize for as much as i've flown like that planes just aren't easily tracked everywhere they go in the world i mean how is that possible yeah there's like,
2: like they're, radar they're, black, the radar
1: black yeah so we so we so fucking fly you know, know right send satellites all over and fly to mars and but we literally outside of like local radars and one transponder that's like dinging pinging every hour on a plane we have no fucking idea where they are which is crazy i did not realize that and i think that's i think it was eye-opening for a lot of people that you know holy shit you know how could we not just see exactly where this thing went and it's like well you we can't like there's nothing that tracks that stuff flying over oceans or whatever and then i think the oh, other that's part still the me- case yeah still the case yeah like part they, they, part, part of think, the flat earth theory, by the way. They've implemented some rules because of this that, you know, I think, yeah. um, particularly even after it crashes, the, the ocean, the box that survives, has to like last longer in water so that it will keep pinging so they can try to find it after it crashes. But yeah. Why I, don't you make the whole
2: plane out of the box? box? Out of the yeah.
1: <laughs> and the other thing to me, and I guess it's somewhat related, is just how vast the ocean is and the fact that they've spent years and we can we'll get into like where they think it is but they've spent years and you know not, I was gone through hundreds of thousands of square miles in the ocean and literally can't find you know really any trace of it which is amazing to think about that couldn't find something even if you think you have a pretty good idea where at, like, there's is two people showing
2: so that. yeah no i i agree man you, you look at the the uh, the Indian Ocean and the, yeah. the, the vastness uh, of yes. the water uh, on this planet. And, yeah, it, one it's one crazy question. to think that oh, there could ever be a needle in the haystack of technology that we have, but yeah. that's what it is,
1: right? Yeah, because you can, you know, we have telescopes that can look, you know, out into the universe, and we have all these, you know, figured out all this stuff about like how things were thing Like, reading yeah. waves from the fucking Big Bang, and we literally you can't find something that is at the bottom of a couple miles of water, which is right. pretty right. wild. So, again, I think all of this uncertainty obviously leaves this big vacuum where people want to, like, you know, create their own, you know, answer so, to what, so what, what was, happened. So, what
2: some of the concerns about so, no what happened.
1: Here. So some of the, the, the early ones were that were around a hijacking um, to be used. Mm-hmm. So people thought it was hijacked, you know, maybe by the pilots, but somebody on the plane. That wanted to take it to another country for use later so one of the russia kazakhstan north korea cambodia there were a few other ones that so people thought th- this this was literally the, i remember hearing they those turned early off on the power so it couldn't be tracked they landed in some field mm-hmm. somewhere and they're going to use it someday for it's going to be full of nukes and it's going to blow us all. Yeah, some terrorist event okay. or bombing or whatever
2: that was yeah. a good one the new twin towers or something yeah
1: exactly yeah. some people thought that it was like some electronic hijacking so that, like, you know, Boeing has the capability to basically shut off all of the communications and then do whatever they want with it from the ground. So somehow somebody got a right. hold of Right, change,
2: changed the autopilot. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. O- other people thought that the- somebody was able to, like, spoof the satellite data, so send false readings. So, And that was probably combined with that first one, whereas, you know, you'd s- send these Things, as if it was going south, but actually, you landed in a Kazakhstan, so you could sort of get away with it, which is crazy. Um, some people thought it was a uh, terrorist attack, so shot down by the US government because it was carrying nuclear warheads to North Korea, which was a good one. Yeah, I don't understand how, yeah, yeah. how that would work per se, but. Right, uh, right. Yeah, right. P- people are, uh, you know, crazy. And then the crazy part, too, or one of the crazy parts, is that basically the, the same model plane. For Malaysia Airlines was shot down three months ago over Ukraine, which was crazy that that happened, you know, within a span of three months to the same airline with the same model. But a lot of these people uh, are convinced that that plane that was shot down was actually this plane. Somehow it reappeared three months later and that's when it was destroyed. Yeah, Uh, totally crazy. So.
2: i i I knew about the coincidence of it being the same airline same plane and there's there's a whole thing on what and why there's a group Uh, of people uh,
1: that think yeah it literally was that plane that somehow yeah yeah, they don't explain how it would have gotten to amsterdam Amsterdam. and you know where it was before that but yeah but so i guess maybe they claim that it it didn't actually leave amsterdam maybe it somehow appeared over Ukraine. Well, there's a lot of
2: shady shit revolving revolving around the ukrainian flight but i had no idea that it was it was yeah. thought to be the same plane yeah. that went through some sort of wormhole or something i
1: think it's um, been disputed yeah and so some of the other yeah. the, the other fun conspiracies about the malaysian the, the original one where that you know some time travelers came back and snatched it or you know aliens abducted it or whatever. well that is the one i believe
2: obviously. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> but so um so the interesting thing so there's all these crazy conspiracies which you know people again fill in the the gaps because nothing was found until 2015 and in 2015 and 2016 mm-hmm. they found some parts in the western indian ocean um that they've basically definitively proved at least some of them were from that point. So uh, now you basically, your conspiracy theory sort of has to revolve around the fact that it ended in the South Indian Ocean, but you can still fill in the gaps with whatever.
2: Right, yeah. Whatever. Why did it get, how did it get there and why?
1: So those are all the crazy conspiracies. I think some of the more possible realistic things that happened are somehow they did have a power malfunction or a fire which shut off some of the systems. And for whatever reason, it the flight path changed, and then it it basically cruised for six and a half hours until it ran out of gas and just exploded in the ocean. Um, and then the other real sort of conspiracy, sort of not, is that it could have been one of the crew members that one of the, they think specifically the captain who may have just decided to, to fly a, a murder suicide mission and yeah, so he had to- some kind of. Yeah, so one of the big stories they they went and searched his house and looked into his background and he had of course he had relationship troubles and whatever, which you if you look hard enough at a lot of people, you can probably come up with some version of that. So that's not You're all done, that you know, done. right Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that here here. And then he had a flight simulator <laughs> and they found they went through all his history and you know, apparently they found where he had he had practiced on a similar uh, path going into the South Indian ocean and that was some smoke crashing. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it turns out later on, there, it didn't seem there was something that out of the, out of the ordinary about it. So, yeah. you know, again, you can choose to believe that until they find the plane and can look through it more, you can choose to believe that he did it on purpose or they were incapacitated and lost oxygen and they basically flew until, until it crashed. So one of the interesting things still about, and they're still, because they couldn't find it where they thought it would be based on all the math that they've done and all of the the data they have. So again, because they couldn't find it, people are still saying, well, something crazy Mm -hmm. happened, but apparently they have data that suggested or proved that it basically descended right out of the sky straight down, which would be, you know, in line with incapacitated people and just running out of fuel. You would just, just collapse straight into the water. Um, but, um, some people think that they, like, ran out of fuel and the guy was still gliding it for, like, I guess you could go, like, another 200 kilometers. And so it would actually be somewhere where they haven't really searched yet. So maybe that's why.
2: Kilometers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's what it said. Yeah. Okay. 120 miles. Um, <laughs> but some of the, one of the parts they Thanks, found. Thanks, Mr. Conversion. One of the parts they found suggested that it wasn't gliding when it hit, so that theory has been debunked, but if it just fell straight where it landed when it ran out of fuel, how the have they not found it yet? So there's still a lot of a lot of reasons until you find it, you can fill in the gas with, with anything you want. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. Remember, one but- do you guys remember that one or what do you I, I do. Know, what do you, what I, you I, guys I, think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of the things that uh, some of the original conspiracy theories were kind of put to bed when they did find the records, right? Yeah. Now, I'm sure there's probably some ultra-conspiratorial ideas out there that, you know, you could chop up a plane or... Yeah, throw off a part like, that you didn't
1: really need. Yeah. Did, yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I, I think all signs point to, yes, it crashed somewhere. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't know what would happen to the different parts of a plane, how much of it would float, how much wouldn't, you know. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it seems like it, it's a big fucking hunk of metal. I can't believe they can fly, for one thing. Um, Korea, but uh, <laughs> it, it seems like it would also sink uh, straight to the bottom of the ocean pretty, you know.
1: Yeah, um, and they have
2: pretty they well. have
1: other data that they, they kind of know what happens when planes hit the water. Like, they, they know... Right. Where the stuff should be ultimately, and what floats and what doesn't, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, right the mystery is why are they not finding it where they
2: think it is? Well, can. I mean, they say it would it would float mostly to the coast of uh, East Africa, right? Yeah. So yeah. um, that's a big coast, and yeah. so I, I have a feeling, as as densely populated as Africa is, um, that uh, that I guess a either a lot of it's still not very densely populated, and it washes up in places that uh, you know, it, it wasn't found, or it washed up and people picked it up, up and thought it was garbage or useful stuff that they could make yeah. use of otherwise, and, and didn't report it to the proper, you know, African authorities. I don't know. No. Um, no. So I, I think a lot of stuff has been put to bed, but uh, there's definitely a lot of question marks out there. There's,
0: yeah, I, I remember when it happened. I remember people saying, you know, the immediate speculation that it was hijacked and it was going to be used as this nuclear missile um, and all this crazy shit. On an shit. airstrip
1: in Kazakhstan. Yeah. Photos of. Um,
0: <laughs> I go back to what you first said. I mean, the crazier thing to me is that everybody on that plane had a cell phone. Everybody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the plane is, is being tracked in some regard. Um, this is actually what ties back into Flat Earth. It's so funny. They're they're like, oh, those homing beacons on planes, it's all just a, that, it, that's all just a myth. And they're like, there's no flights that start and end in the Southern Hemisphere. They're really stuck on this. And yet there's a real-time flight tracker that you can watch. What? Yeah. So the I mean, big conspiracy true, is yeah. that <laughs> obviously if the world is, they, they believe it's like, here, if I'm my palm here is flat, okay. That there's a dome over the world, right? There's a dome so we, over you know, it. Every, so everything's sure flat, just, yeah. okay. And so there can't be. um If you flew, I like that
2: picture on the page of the Bible. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you, it would be impossible Genesis? to fly from the southern hemisphere to the Southern hemisphere because the Southern hemisphere would all be the southernmost part of the sphere. If that makes sense, those would be the longest distances, the longest flight distances possible. So you couldn't fly from like Australia to Buenos Aires, even though there's like nine flights a day that go from Melbourne to Buenos <laughs> Aires.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: um, so anyway, <laughs> the, so going back to what you were saying, Dave, uh, that ties into something I said earlier, but it, it's still with all the stuff that we can track still so bizarre that that is one thing that we can't or that, Mm you know, for whatever reason we don't track specifically. Um, And, and it really opened my eyes to the fact that when I'm flying across the ocean and they have that little tracker that it's not exactly where I am in the universe. And that's really making me a little,
1: yeah, and I, I mean, when I would fly <laughs> overseas, you know, Fiona would sometimes just watch to see where I was, and it, it just stops showing it when you're over an ocean. I'm like, just show up when you show up. So you have <laughs> no idea where the plane is. <laughs> can't sense.
0: can't bounce this off anything right now, so uh, yeah, I don't really know where exactly. you are. It's pretty.
1: Um, yeah, and one of the, finish your thought.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no. That was that was the end of my thought.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say one of the other things too that I didn't mention that sort of fed this stuff too, and I think fuels a lot of these things is there was a there are obviously a lot of governments involved the malaysian government the australian government the chinese the u.s so you know obviously everyone had their viewpoints but also a lot of the u.s
2: yeah of course always
1: yeah Yeah. we claim the right if any u.s if any u.s part or u.s citizen is involved we're, we're right there um but there was so much conflicting information and changing information that you know, people start to fill in their own gaps or glom onto something that was, again, as we said, quickly debunked within a, a couple of days or whatever, but people hold on to all those things or convince themselves that, that they're being lied to by these people. And maybe it's just, Hey, they can't figure out what the fuck happened to the and You know, they're trying to give you whatever they know. And oftentimes that's wrong.
0: Well, and speaking to our current, uh, world, like current United States, um, That's a lot of the reason why people can't deal with not knowing even for a small period of time, they have to fill in those gaps. And so like when people don't understand that science is updating every fucking day, not just about a, a virus vaccine or like whether or not you should mask or things like that, but like people that are scientists might believe something for 20 years and then that thing is disproven or tweaked, maybe not completely disproven, but tweaked in some way. And you're like, oh, okay, well, this is what the studies show now. So you go with the most updated information and you work off of that most updated information. Um we're not good with the scientific method. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Literally (laughs) to the T. Yeah. We're going to keep doing this. Literally
1: how it works. Information to change. They don't, they don't live by it. No, it's an iterative process. It turns out. (laughs) Right. And
0: so, and so that idea of like, like learning to accept the gray as black or white until it is not black or white anymore. Like we're, we're going to accept this until it's disproven and we're going to accept this, um, we're just not good with not knowing. Uh, And I was talking about it earlier. I was like, I've got all these things in my life that are just like up in the air. I just like want to know. I I want them to be settled because that makes everything easier. Uh, But at the same time, I'm going to make decisions based on off of the best information possible. While that other stuff is in limbo, I'm going to look for the like most accurate information possible and not just fill those gaps in on my own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that's the... like, I'm sorry, but the that, dude that didn't not- pass 8th grade science can't tell me how woke he is and about how he knows about all these things that are going on in the world because he watched a 30-minute YouTube video mm-hmm. and that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because I listen to people that have dedicated their entire lives to studying this shit.
2: Well, when people don't know the truth, they make up their own. Sure, that's yeah. How things like mythology... Legend came to be, um, and any sort of folklore that's out there. If you don't know what the real truth is, you gotta make up a reason for why things are, right? You just, that that uh, information vacuum uh, definitely creates uh, a, a lot of I don't know conspiracy theories and, and different theories about how things are. And some yeah. of them are very fantastical and turn out to be debunked, mostly by science, and uh, and other ones, I guess. Maybe turn out to be true, but people invent things when they don't know the truth.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's a huge part of it. I also think some people, and we see it with, you know, climate deniers and all that, even in the face of evidence, they don't want to believe it. And I think in the case of, I don't know, maybe I'm speculating, but I think even in the place of evidence on some of these big accidents, I think some people would rather believe that uh, a guy was depressed and wanted to kill himself and plan this whole thing out or some government wanted to hijack the plane they want to believe that this was just some crazy weird thing versus actually the plane failed because that's hard that's a harder reality i think for some people to
0: to admit de- definitely scary shit just happens That yeah.
1: it's not yeah, right some a, crazy a comu- a computer it's not a right, one-off a off. Yeah, exactly right. like shit because then it's real then it's like oh that could be any but if it's odd, uh, some weird pilot from another part of the right. world or some crazy hijacking bad would never happen to me or here. But it's like, if the plane just failed, that's uh, awesome I can't loop. believe
2: planes don't crash every fucking day, man. It's
1: crazy. But yeah, right? I know.
2: <laughs> cars do.
1: I think it was it was maybe 2017. Or, there was not one commercial jet that, that crashed anywhere in the world for a whole year. That's
2: incredible. I mean, how, insane. Are there, there's what? hundreds of uh, tens hundreds of thousands of, thousands of thousands flights, flights a days.
1: day i mean yeah
2: it's great yeah
0: yeah yeah it's so, yeah
2: yeah that's wild that's yeah, i mean that, how many car crashes happen every day due to mechanical failures that are right. you know more yeah. or less unavoidable There's, it's not a driver's fault that your fucking brakes go out or right. uh I, I don't know man like that stuff happens but, all the time that, it's incredible that it doesn't happen on the yeah plane. they've
1: almost, almost successfully there. designed these things so Accidents almost never happen. So I think the thought that they still can is disturbing and it's almost better to fill in fill in the details with ah this crazy thing happened, but maybe it didn't. You know? That's even yeah in some ways more um, disturbing, but that, that's life I guess.
0: Maybe it didn't. That's uh that's a good segue, Dave. Maybe it didn't. Brennan, maybe what didn't? Tell us what your uh conspiracy is.
2: Yeah. You, you met you mentioned a moment ago flying to Buenos Aires you know somebody who did fly to Buenos Aires in August of 1977 Elvis Aaron most he's alive world that most of the world believes that he died baby
0: but Elvis lived he has not left so, the building
2: <laughs> indeed indeed not man um so uh theory is that Elvis did not die. Um, so on August 16, 1977, um, Elvis reportedly died from a heart attack due to um, years of ridiculous prescription and otherwise drug use and uh, becoming morbidly obese um, <laughs> and a, a, a shell of those former handsome spells. <laughs> But uh, some people...
0: Uh, Jerry Kohat, by the way, would take issue red. with your description yeah. of Fat Elvis. <laughs> well,
2: Jerry Kohat may just, may just be Fat Albus.
0: <laughs> Knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, wait a minute. I
2: think it all adds up, really. Yeah. <laughs> it all adds up, man. I've seen him in those glasses and sideburns. But uh, So anyway... The theory on this one goes that uh, Elvis was uh, involved with the FBI, and he was an undercover FBI agent um, working to infiltrate a group of mobsters called the Fraternity, um, and he was ousted by the mob as a mole, and they were definitely going to kill him. So, Elvis had to fake his own death um, at the behest of the FBI, go go underground uh, in the Witness Protection Program, and uh, he, he lives to this day. A couple of the theories out there are that uh, shortly after his death in the days following, um, there was a man who fit Elvis's description who flew from Memphis to Buenos Aires on a cash one-way ticket, um, and he went by the name of, I got to check my notes here, John Carrows. And John Burroughs was a, a name that Elvis used as a check in check-in the hotel office. So, this John Burroughs character bought a one way cash ticket from Memphis to Buenos Aires. And we all know that everybody goes to South America to, uh, to start their new life, right? And Nazis? Yep, yeah, exactly. The boys okay. from Brazil or Buenos Aires or wherever. And this was a northern hemisphere to southern hemisphere flight. So, it is. So, it um, existed. Possible. It's possible, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, the, the flight uh, is certainly plausible there. Um, and so a couple other things that uh, kind of going to support that there is a uh, Elvis Sighting Society uh, that was founded in 1989, <laughs> and all the people who see Elvis are uh, you know, members of this society. There's been some hot spots out there, including um, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Um, Which everybody knows. What the fuck? Kalamazoo, uh, as well as um, this one should be obvious to everybody. Legoland. Almost (laughs) like to go to Legoland, apparently.
1: Actually, that is. I could see that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. A bunch of little blocks. Let's let's put these together, baby. See what we (laughs) hear.
1: Where are my, my pills? <laughs>
2: uh, I don't know if you guys uh, knew about this, but one of I think all of our favorite movies from 1990, Home Alone, Elvis makes a cameo.
1: I just and saw that last night. It's,
2: yeah. It's, yeah, so uh, when when the McAllister family uh, minus uh, little Kevin is in the airport um, and they're, they're freaking out about to get it on their flight, as an extra, behind the mom, uh, whatever her name is, there is a guy who fits the description of Elvis with a beard. <laughs> that's, that's it. That, that's it. Um, so, so since then the extra in the movie has been found and confirmed to be smothered, dude. And yeah, he's, um, he's dead. He's dead now. No. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. None, nonetheless, that is a linchpin <laughs> in the Elvis is a live theory. Um, there's a woman named uh, Gail Brewer Giorgio that wrote a book called Elvis Lives or some bullshit and she detailed all of this. And uh, she she's looked through all the all the FBI documents that they had. The FBI did have a file on Elvis because there was, he was the kind of victim of certain blackmail attempts, as you can imagine, somebody whose fame and repute might be. Um, Shockingly, there's no real evidence that uh, he faked his own death. It still wasn't those FBI files. Nonetheless, there are FBI files. A Couple other important facts to note that uh, Priscilla and Lisa Marie Presley had some um, kind of slight slips of the tongue uh, when they were talking to Oprah and Larry King, respectively, where they kind of referred to Elvis possibly in the present tense um, instead of in, in the past tense. Um, so, you know, obviously still alive. Um, and, uh, oh, and there's also a photo of Elvis from uh, after his death. Um, uh, at Graceland in his pool house um, that the photographer said is some other guy um, but nonetheless there's a photo of a guy who kind of looks like Elvis at Graceland lastly I will add that uh, on a couple years ago on Elvis' 82nd birthday there was a man with a white beard who looks like fat Kenny Rogers more than anyone um, visiting Graceland with some security case closed right? <laughs> that was illness, obviously. He would go, You would visit on his 82nd birthday, um, dressed as Bat Kenny Rogers. And so, I think I think we have the story there, guys.
0: Done and done.
1: done,
2: nailed it. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: uh, yeah. you, you know, the interesting thing to me is, is not that this exists, um, it's the sheer number of people that bought into it. For a long time, that Elvis was still alive, or wanted to believe that, or or like Tupac, or you know any number of people, John they're Lennon. they're they're not really dead. They're not really dead. Um. And instead of I- instead of going with what was, <laughs> I mean, years of abuse on his body. I mean, people watched him month after month get more bloated, more like unhealthy looking, and then. You know the king dies on the throne. He kills over on the pot while he's taking a shit, and it's uh,
1: kind of amazing. They don't
0: they don't want to b- believe that. So there's got to be another plausible explanation. Um, I again i I think that here the simplest answer obviously makes the most sense, probably to us. Um, but the fact that we've fabricated this mythology behind it, uh, and I'm that's not to say. I know that he met with, you know, it's been well documented that he met with Nixon and he met with heads of the the FBI and CIA as well. Um, when you have that much pull and sway in this country, you're going to meet people with power and influence. And, um, you know, again, mafia connections, that's not out of the picture either. The mafia was heavily ingrained in the music industry during that time. So, and all of these things are documented. I'm not just like shooting off the hip here. Um, so, you know, when you look at all those things, you might say, well, this points to this points to this. I haven't done enough research into it, but, um, all of it seems, all of it seems way flimsier to me than the, you know, the the rational justification that, uh, his heart blew up because he took you know, red-eye flights to Las Vegas to get a peanut butter and banana fucking sandwich and did about 600 pills on the flight out there with a bottle of whiskey. So, um, I don't know. Dave? Dave? No, no, no. I was no. just
1: going to say, that, I mean, I totally get why people want to believe that he's alive, but if you accept that the the premise of the reason why this his death was, was fake, that it, he was trying to escape a mob hit, like, the actual sighting details and some of the other stuff makes no sense anyway. Like, the uh, FBI is going to orchestrate this whole thing. So and, you get a Lego. Why? Is that, and then make the poor guy use his fucking pseudonym and pay cash for a one-way ticket on a commercial flight to Buenos Aires. Like, I don't. Right. I think they'd find a way to get him down there on a private plane or some some <laughs> other way. Hey, just yeah, just roll into the uh, Memphis airport on Monday. Uh, just,
2: you know, don't. share. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: It's totally impossible.
2: Yeah,
1: whatever. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Private jets too obvious. Fly commercial.
1: And then he's just gonna randomly like, hey, I'm trying to be in a hiding, but maybe I'll, you know, be an extra in this movie they're filming in (laughs) Hollywood. Like, what in the world? How in the world? That makes zero sense.
2: (laughs) I. I, I, The the rationale for that was that hey, that guy kind of looks like Elvis. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's that kind did. of incredible. That yeah, did. I looked at some of those pictures yeah. last night. I saw that picture, and then the one when he was with, with bodyguards. They don't look like him at all. It, got, it could <laughs> be yeah. anybody. I mean, it, I mean, who knows what he would look like? But it's certainly not compelling evidence in any way.
0: Oh man, that's <laughs> no.
1: But again, it's it, but if you've chosen to just ignore, you know, reality or an obvious explanation people you see what you want to see I don't know
0: well we've solved the mystery of the king uh, he is uh, emphatically He's still in the building <laughs> thank you very much that, that, that building uh, is in the ground but yes he is in, in the building built out of
1: Legos
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, have you
2: guys been to Graceland by the way no I've I heard great go. things we're, we're worth a stop for sure
1: i mean my you know perspective on it is from rattle and
2: hum so <laughs> oh yeah
1: <laughs> if you remember that, that, was, scene, that was my
2: main uh. <laughs> yeah yeah no that was my main uh and uh it's i don't know it it's like in two parts like awesome and also like underwhelming yeah. as well like, it's that pretty was, small it, right The the actual house it, it's not huge, yeah. It's not huge, and it's yeah. like kind of shittily gaudy. See, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's it, but, but like, awesome and weird all at the same time. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: kind oh, yeah. of like
2: Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, it, 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 there yeah. you go.
1: Well, dudes.
2: All right. Well, what's next?
0: Our last. Um, not even a conspiracy theory. You don't have to call it that anymore because uh it's been unmasked or it's been uh what's the word I'm looking declassified? for? Declassified. Yeah, declassified. That's exactly <laughs> That's right. This one's had its cherry popped, boys. Um <laughs> in nineteen fifty three, Alan Dulles, um head of the CIA at the time. Decided that they were going to enter into the mind control business. Now, this had probably been going on prior to this under different names. Um, a lot of people date it back to between World War One and World War Two, um, and a lot of the early uh, early enemies were. Um, uh, Pacific enemies, not Atlantic enemies. So, so we weren't thinking about going to war with Europe, but more like Japan and China. Um, and our intelligence services on that end were trying to spy on people, trying to, if we got hold of people that we thought were assets, trying to get them to tell us information. Um, so it's around this time that they start hearing about this new drug, LSD. And start thinking about the idea of possibly using it to put people in a state in which they might give information now it wasn't just lsd uh, that they used for um yeah truth serum exactly um that wasn't the only cocktail there was a high dosage of um thc that they gave people uh before this as well Uh, what's that
2: Never heard of it. <laughs> <What is this? laughs> um,
0: and any other, you know, either psychotropic narcotics or um, paralytic sometimes narcotics that they would use to basically either try to psychologically torture people or physically torture people into giving them information. So MKUltra was the blanket name for all programs that operated in dealing with mind manipulation and mind control in the CIA from basically 53 through some people would say up through like 77. Um, other people would say it got shut down in the, in about 67. Um, the, the last decade is more probably not so much conspiratorial, but it's probably more, um, um, semantics like what you wanted to call it they were still in the game of trying to manipulate minds and like deceive people and things like that they just couldn't call it the same thing because it kind of got unmasked um and as a sub operation of mk ultra so mk ultra is going to be um the stanford and harvard lsd experiments um the Electric Kool-Aid acid tests, the all of those things were overseen uh, in sh- some shape or fashion by CIA agents. So like Grateful Dead shows went back when they were the warlocks and they were, you know, everybody came in, got a cup of Kool-Aid and they were drinking it and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody was tripping their ass off the CIA is overseeing all of that. MKUltra is taking notes on all of that. This is how people act when we dose them this way. This is how, um, so they're doing it in a more controlled setting with Timothy Leary and his people at Harvard. They're doing it um, Mm -hmm. it at Stanford as well. Um, Ken Kesey, uh, Gurney Norman, James Baker Hall, Wendell Berry all famously participated in those. Those authors uh, all participated in those. Um, And then all those people, actually ended up saying, wow, this is some great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, it, uh, they, um, they all took it their own way and said, this is, this is good. This is mind expanding. This is allowing us to see the world in a different way. And so we want to keep doing this. Um, the CIA took it in another direction. So while they continued their experiments like in a, um, in a, more lab setting and test setting. They were also doing things in a non-test setting uh, where they were dosing people unexpectedly uh, and doing things like that. The sub-operation that we're going to talk about is called Midnight Climax, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It is in no way meant to deceive anyone. Midnight Climax is about using prostitutes and drugs to lure people in that they thought would be assets uh, to gather information that they could later blackmail them with or um, in some way use in order to gain, yeah, basically blackmail. Um, So this could be anyone from a head of a Fortune 500 company to uh, a a diplomat to a foreign leader, um, any of those things. So that was what Operation Midnight Climax was all about. There was some data gathering as in like, um, you know, how are these people reacting to these different drugs? Does it make them talkative? Does it make them... um, a- anxious? Does it make them, uh, aggressive? There was some work into that, but the majority of this, uh, and it gets really weird here in a minute is both, um, what's the right word? Um, the majority of it is, is to deceive people to get them in a compromising situation, not to find out how the drug works. Um, or what they could do with the work. Uh, so midnight climax was more about the compromising situation. It was also about the voyeuristic and weird proclivities of this guy that ran the program. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that in, in just a second. Um, So what Midnight Climax did is it set up these two flop houses basically in San Francisco and in New York, two in San Francisco and one in New York uh, by the end of it all, by the time they they got it all down. And what they what they did basically is they had a two way mirror where they would have these prostitutes drug someone and then um, they would let them have sex and then see if they would give up any information or sometimes they would just watch and the person would just be in a really weird, precarious situation. Um, It's a very very weird, uh, I don't know, a a very weird byproduct of something that seemed really clear why we would do it, like why we would want to be able to manipulate a foreign operative, that makes sense, um, into just this, voyeuristic weird nightmare so this guy um let's see here get his name here george h white george h white was the guy that finally got you know to head this up it was sort of his idea that this is what we should do with mk ultra and it was okayed um and white would sit and I, i kid you not would sit on a toilet, eating a pastrami sandwich, drinking martinis from behind this two-way mirror. Oh my God. And (laughs) just night after night of this. Um, That was not in the Wikipedia
2: article. No,
0: (laughs) absolutely not. It's not. Um, Yeah. So they, they did a great, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle and a couple of other, um, um, there's a medium article called war is boring. Uh, Well, I think war is boring. And then there's a, uh a thing from there's a, a link or a, an article in war is boring that is yeah. uh about that. Um but yeah I mean this dude just basically uh it got his jollies off on on this stuff and as far as we know it produced zero credible like sources of information but it fucked with a lot of people <laughs> that were dosed yeah, unwittingly. Right. And, uh, you know, some of them sort of freaked out. Some of them, they calmed down. Some of them, they just let stay in the house for a night, but there's also stories. Um, and again, these are documented stories. Uh, you can go to CIA.gov. Um, and they've got redacted reports, uh, on CIA.gov about this, um, and then there's also people telling stories. So one of them is that there was a young CIA guy that was out in Washington and there was a, a Christmas party, uh, and they dosed him with LSD and he basically lost it and went home and got his firearm. And he thought that everyone was out to get him. So he went and, um, committed an armed robbery at a bar Jeez. and he pulled the gun out and he was just out of his mind. And like one of the, uh, a, a, like lady that was working there, like came up and whacked him upside of the head with a beer bottle and knocked him out. Um, And he ended up getting arrested. And to the day he died, he was like, somebody put something in my drink. I was out of my mind. Like I thought I had two martinis. And the next thing I knew I was holding up a bar. Um, There's a a Netflix show called Wormwood about what actually finally exposed MK ultra. And it was about a guy that got dosed in New York and ended up out a window Some people say he was pushed because they were asking him to do things he didn't want to do and threatened to expose the program. Other people, that's sort of what his family claims. Um, Other people say he was just dosed and went nuts and jumped out the window himself. Uh, CIA finally admitted that they definitely uh, dosed him. And again, that was the larger umbrella operation of MKUltra. And Midnight Climax is just sort of a... um, a subset of, of the other operations that were running concurrently during that time. But it ran for like 12 years. (laughs) It it was like, it was like 1953 to 1954 to 65 is basically like 11, 12 years is how long this ran that they were just dosing people that didn't know, um, with one of probably three substances and then either trying to collect information or just watch them. Fuck. I mean, (laughs) it's absolutely bizarre. Uh, aptly named I suppose midnight climax yeah. um, and uh, a follow-up to that is that they, they sold the the residence finally in uh, the 90s at some point and then people did like a huge remodel and there were all these uh, microphones and uh, camera like wiring built into the walls and all this mm-hmm. crazy stuff um, so yeah who knows uh, but That's
2: yeah you, you, you might want to take care of that or FBI or whoever. whoever yeah. did I like, so did they sell the house? Yeah. Did they set it up as like
1: a, as a whorehouse and then had the people come yeah. there. And so
0: no, there, so so no. usually it would be like the girl would invite the guy back to this okay. residence. Um, but it would be like, they would always take them back to the same location. Gotcha. There, there are also other stories of people, not white, but other people that worked for white or with white, that would say like, they'd get like, they'd be all out drinking and somebody would like say something and piss them off or they would be assholes to somebody. And the guy would speak up and, and be like, Hey, you guys need to shut up or pipe down. And they'd dose them and then just like, leave them. <laughs> and, like just be like, have a good night, motherfucker. And, like, we just wow. gave you eight hits yeah. of acid. I hope, uh, I hope you had fun.
2: I'm sure in some cases they did have a great night. Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, it's absolutely, um, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you read about like, or you hear about when you're growing up, like, um, satanic cults or like people putting LSD in kids, right. candies or razor blades and yeah. apples and things like that. And by the time you get to be our age, you're like, ah, oh, those are old wives tales, like right. being unwittingly dosed with high caliber LSD or THC, the THC compound that they used, which wasn't, um, necessarily what you get from smoking weed. Um, like <laughs> when By you're your not, own w- government. when you're not, when you're not ready for that, that's a shitty yeah. thing to do to somebody. When you find out that it's your own government, that, that is beyond fucked. Um, so MK ultra is an interesting thing to look into in general. And, and these things went all different directions. And actually, um, if you watch the first season of, uh, I think it's, uh, manhunt where they look for ten, Ted Kaczynski, Uh-oh. um, they, they, they talk about how he was basically in an MK Ultra experiment and, and it yeah. was why yeah. he ended up in the headspace he was in uh, is that they, you know, they psychologically toyed with him so much when he was in college, like put him down uh, like told him how much his family hated him and his mother thought he was worthless and all this and that, it basically drove him to a place where the professor could get him to do whatever he wanted to um,
2: That'll make for a bad trip he,
0: yeah. No doubt yes. Ain't no doubt Uh, so, so Ultra covers a whole scope of things, but Midnight Climax has always been my favorite, not just because of the name, but because of how just nefarious it is in its inception that like, we're, you know, going to go to any length. Now, if we are doing this, there's no doubt in my mind that Russia has so much blackmail information on Donald J. Trump. I was going to say, it sounds very familiar, oh my God. And, and probably, uh, you know, every other powerful person ever goes there. And so, uh, you know, I always sort of circle back to this one and say that like, now that we know that our government was willing to do this on our own people, um, and in hopes that maybe they could get a foreign operative or somebody else, uh, caught up in the mix and, and, and get some information from them. What were other countries doing to us when we were in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe and um, in, in the Soviet Union or Russia after that? Um, but yeah, it, it, to me, it's just it's fascinating. And it is one of the reasons why we're in such a cynical place right now in terms of what we believe and why we choose to believe. Right far-fetched things at times as opposed to like the simplest explanation. Like the simplest explanation is that the guy was diabetic and that his blood sugar was off and he was just seeing weird shit. And the, the more like the idea that you were drugged by somebody because you looked at him the wrong way and it like that, that's kind of an asinine theory unless there's something to back it up. But then you're like, what did get, take place in San Francisco during this time period? Yeah, it's a pretty good chance that I was probably dosed. <laughs> yeah um so what yeah, what are your guys thoughts hell, on that?
1: yeah it's just shocking that 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 specific operation was ever given the go ahead i mean yeah obviously i'm sure he sold it as we're trying to find out you know what information research. we can get from people yeah research you, you know, can do what, that in a clinical setting exactly why, jur- why do you need to do it, people with hookers exactly like how do you get unwitting people approval to yeah right it's, and,
0: and it's to shocking. me the original concept of how it got okayed made sense it was uh, originally supposed to target like heads of corporations and foreign assets that they thought that they could somehow either turn or use in some capacity but they you know when it, out of every thousand people they dosed they maybe had like a handful of people that were of some sort of use to them. Um, and most yeah, I mean, of them how, never gave any how information. How are
1: you going get a high-profile target in that situation in some...
0: Sure, period. and it, it's not to say that they didn't. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure that there is information that they got from that that, that, that was useful, but by and large, um, it, the more you read about it, the more it seems like the mission devolved into something that was much more... Almost this, this one specific guy, White, yeah, per- that...
1: But even the so mission, assume that even all, if they just follow the mission that you stated before, how the fuck was that approved? That is, I mean, <laughs> right. like un, unwittingly drug, you know, heads of state or, you know, CEOs or. Like, it, and I read crazy. that it was
2: it, it was even more so, and I don't know the scale of it really, but it was even more so like blue collar or oh. uh, you know, kind, kind of, uh, I don't know, less privileged people that that were in these situations um,
0: yeah and i think what well, i think
2: we uh, be, being observed maybe may yeah. kind of under the auspices of working up towards uh, yeah. you know more high caliber high leverage uh, people like you said had states or ceos or or whatever but it sounds like the volume of people you'd have to have yeah. all walks of life coming through there and it, it seems like way more of a perverted voyeuristic exercise than anything that was actually research or uh, espionage based.
0: Right. Right. And that's, you know, once it was all, you know, I think once, um, what's the dudes, uh, I got a, the dude that jumped out of the window Uh that Wormwood is based off of, I'm blanking on his name. But once that happened, um, things started to get, uh, a little bit more scrutinized. Um, and finally, once, once they shut it all down, I'm trying to find my place here in this big article that I was looking at, um... Yeah. I love the last. So this is the Medium article. It just says at the least Operation Midnight Climax was a failure and an embarrassment for the CIA. It proved inconclusive, unscientific results with scant, actionable intelligence applications. It besmirched the reputation of the CIA, both in terms of ethics and practicality, and negatively affected the lives of hundreds of people. Um, that seems
1: like a generous interpretation. <laughs> uh, a- absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah,
0: absolutely. I read that
2: one too. I was like, yep.
0: But, but, but the crazier thing is if, and it's not in this article, it's in another one. So white, like when they finally shut his program down, he was basically like, I can't be mad. You all gave me the, the license to like kill, fuck, like, um, torture, um, and watch without any repercussions for almost a decade.
2: You're saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah, you yeah. It, it's in it's shot. in print. Yeah, right. It's in
0: print. He was okay. basically like, I sat on a toilet and and drank martinis and like. <laughs> oh
2: Sounds like probably jerked off. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean. So. So yeah, mine doesn't have a whole lot to it other than the fact that like, it's like, holy shit, that really happened. Um, Not like there's no theory to it anymore. Um, It happened, period. And uh, so I think that that that's a good way to sort of bring all this back together is just to say that like, we want to believe the more complicated thing because sometimes the more complicated thing turns out to be true. And do we want to be that person be like, Oh, I always knew that was true? Um, or we want to be the person whose mind is blown? Um, I, I'd like to think I'm the more reasonable person most of the time, uh, and, and try to go with the more simpler uh, explanation of something. But, uh, you know, before all this stuff was uncovered, people that were screaming at the top of their lungs that the CIA was dosing people with LSD or that uh, they were, you know, taking people into flop houses or, uh, you know, like sex houses basically and watching them like if you would have came out with that story like people would be like oh you're crazy you did too much acid you did too much yeah. this um but when these things get uncovered they turn out to be true that's what fuels the and, and stokes those flames of like well maybe the crazy thing is the right thing you know um so i don't know where do you where do you guys stand and we'll sort of wrap it
2: yeah no i think well, go ahead bernie yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I, I guess one takeaway that I had from, from this and looking into some of these stories and thinking about some of these things or that, um, we, we kind of have kind of three different lanes here. Um, one is one, you know, the, the flight where there's still a lot of question marks, and there, there could be, there really could be some you know, open um, conspiracies and, and a lot of questions as to what happened. And then the, the, the stupid Elvis one, I, I think the, the, like I said, the case is pretty much closed on that one um, as well. And then with uh, Midnight Climax, you know, it, it's come to light that that really was the case. So we kind of have a, a yes, no, and, a, and, and some maybe in there. But in in all of those that, um. I think no matter you know what what ideology you personally uh, hold, I, they they all kind of hold true. And in today's like climate, it seems like every every story that has a question mark out there that could be a conspiracy theory is also so polarizing. We we talked about you know like fucking PizzaGate, which I can't believe is even a fucking thing. Um And, and they, they need a way better. It
1: sounds so ridiculous. For it.
2: Yeah. Pizzagate. <laughs> but um, it, that like everything is, is so polarized, like uh, none of the stories that we talked about probably were thought of as right or left or you know, red or blue or Republican or, or Democrat. But I can't think of like anything in the current environment. That you, could, uh, that you could ask a question about um, and have questions about that wouldn't be immediate polarized and politicized. And so, uh, I don't know, man, it just kind of speaks to the, the current situation that we're in um, that, uh, I don't know, nothing can be just an innocent uh, theory anymore. It, it, it has to, your opinion on it or, or your rationale, your theory places you in, Likely one of two camps, maybe not even many. They're just right. on one side of a line or another, very, very black or white. So it, it just kind of made me think of, of that. Everything is framed in that these days, and, you know I, I always fall on, on one side of that line, not the other. And I think both you guys did too. But uh, that—that's just kind of some of the thoughts that went through my head when we were thinking about this.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a—it's uh, a good way of putting it, and I think we all do you can't help but approach these kind of, you know, situations or theories or operations with your worldview. I mean, you, you're, you, we all tend to want to view things through the lens in which we have separated the world, whether it's right or left or good or bad or simple or, you know, fanciful. But I, I go back to, and it's, I think it's a challenge for all of us is, the balance between sort of reason and logic and a healthy skepticism, so and and making sure you're honest about those things, regardless of um, what you want the result to be versus what it is. I mean, I think we all right. should have skepticism for you know even the things that we we believe in or or think we believe in uh, because there may be more more to something than just a, a simple thing that we've convinced ourselves is is the truth. Um, I don't know. And I think that it's hard to do sometimes. Um, Again, I think these are obviously fun examples are kind of wild, but I think in our own, in our own daily lives, I mean, we talked about some of them up front where people do, you know, find all kinds of, of reasons to fill in the gaps or not believe certain things. But I also think we shouldn't fall the other way where we do think, take things for truth or believe that the simplest thing is, is right or, think that you know the government has our best interest not that any of us believe that but i don't know it's 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 a fine line um you know i want to be a um a voice of reason but also not naive enough or credulous enough to uh you know t- take take the bullshit yeah
2: you want to be thoughtful know. but not yeah uh,
1: yeah. yeah
2: you, you, right? you got to challenge yeah.
1: things that come your way you know without Thinking that some alien did it or whatever. I think there's space for that.
0: Well, Dave, there's you know, watch episode five of the new Unsolved Mysteries. You'll you'll change you'll change your mind on uh, on aliens in a
2: heartbeat. Oh, true. Okay.
1: Um,
0: I mean, I'm open to it. Why not? No, I I mean it's much more plausible than a god. Come on.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) That's true. I can't believe I can't believe you guys are watching that, Jason.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, right. right. I I had texted Dave. I was like, they should call it unsatisfying mysteries. It's the worst. Like it just leads all the way up, and they're like, well we don't know what the fuck happened. Like it's yeah. unsolved. You dumbass. Like you watched it. Funny. It was, but it's the least satisfying show that was ever invented. Like it just lays out. This is what happened. We don't know what the hell else happened. Yeah. And you're like,
1: but we'll scare the shit out.
0: Scenario number three. He's hanging by his neck in his fucking closet. Shatner was
2: rescue nine months yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> much less interesting. <laughs> so, uh, 8 PM on Sunday nights when I was a, a child. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we can all agree that, uh, skepticism is both necessary, um, always and healthy to have. Um, I, I think that the, the most difficult line to draw is the one that you both mentioned and that's, uh, where does our implicit bias of our preexisting worldview stop um and like what, what do we actually give things their just due um b- because we should because that's how we challenge what we currently b- believe in just like a scientific process fine-tune that to make it more uh adaptable to the real world because we find new information out all the time and our worldview should be uh adaptable in that sense that when we find new information, we're okay with changing that. Um, you know, the, the the trouble with all this lies in the fact that um, when th- something doesn't jive with our worldview, and, and this is not me personally, um, although I, I'm not saying that I'm immune to it, but this is not me personally, that we would prefer to jump to a conspiracy than to look at other logical possibilities. Like the thing that I didn't believe wasn't true. So it must be this other crazy ass thing as opposed to what's the next logical thing. Um, I think where we've gotten with the polarization is that we're much more willing to take a leap from a to K as opposed to a to B to C like run down, like this is the next plausible, then the next plausible, then the next plausible thing. We're like, well, B B didn't work out, so I'm going to jump to the craziest shit and work right. my way backwards. Um, and, and so um, I think there is detriment in society getting too cynical in making that jump, in, in saying, I'm going to go to the most extreme thing and then try to work my way back to the original as opposed to work from the original and say... Well, logical point one didn't check out, logical point two, or logical scenario one didn't check out, logical scenario two didn't check out. Um, there, there should sort of be a hierarchy of reason when we go through possibilities, uh, not to say that we can't entertain those uh, far-fetched ones, but it should be after other ideas ideas and possibilities are exhausted and disproven as opposed to the other way around. I feel like we're working backwards more often than not trying to disprove things that are undisprovable because they're so insane as opposed to just saying, well, the most obvious thing is not only provable, but makes sense. Like why would we disprove all this other bullshit uh, when the facts add up to a plus B equals C? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And if it's not the obvious thing, it's, more than likely, than another thing that's the result of some sort of human messiness and sloppiness. That's not some conspiracy, but it's just a, you know slightly different than you might have thought.
2: Yeah, which is, sure. I think often the case. Well, you can't go on forever with suspicious minds, baby. <laughs> wow! Well played. <laughs>
0: oh, wow! Very, very good. Very, very good. Well, with that, we're ending it here, peeps. Uh, Brennan, Dave, as always, Dave. beautiful. Beautiful to get together from a distance, Amen. thousands of miles, and uh, um, you know, talk about some stuff that makes us forget about what's really going on today. Uh, it was fun for me, gentlemen. Till next time. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Adios, everybody.